0: All right. Well, good morning again. Welcome. It's great to have you here with us. You know, Christmas is almost here, as Sean said. Just got to do a quick poll, and, uh, and this may be a confession time. I'm not sure, but I'm just curious how many of you are completely done. And you can, you can be honest if you want. You are in church, so maybe you should be. But how many of you are completely done with your Christmas shopping right now? Wow, look at you overachievers, okay, how many of you are like me and still have a few gifts to buy? Okay, a lot of you. Has anybody not started at all? Are you like total procrastinators? Okay, you're not going to admit it. Oh, all right. You're not going to admit it even if you haven't. Well, uh, it's such an exciting time of year, and I know that there's, there's so much going on. I feel this in my own life, and uh, there's so much excitement, and, but there's also so much activity and, and so many things to do and so many things to think about. And so we are so glad that you're here with us this morning just to kind of take an hour and say in the midst of all the busyness, in the midst of all the craziness, Let's just quiet our hearts and our minds and let's focus on what Christmas is really all about. And so we're excited to do that uh, with you together today. If you've been with us, you know that we're viewing Christmas through the eyes of this unexpected series that's been kind of the theme here at H2O that we started in December and in Christmas specifically if you know much about the story of Jesus it's interesting because in a certain sense it was not unexpected at all that, that there was a coming king and a coming messiah the the Jewish people who who Jesus was part of they had been expecting a king they had been expecting a savior there have been prophecies For thousands of years that someday there would be a coming king. And so they actually had an expectation that a king would come to save them. Uh, But the interesting thing and the thing that was so unexpected about Jesus was the way that he came. They were expecting a king, but they certainly were not expecting a king or a savior to come in the way that Jesus came. And I don't know about you, but I've just been blown away again by this series. Just being reminded, because oftentimes in our faith we we don't need to totally learn something brand new. We need to be reminded of something that we already know. I've been blown away just being reminded at how humble Jesus' birth was how just amazing and, and uh, so unexpected the way that Jesus came to this earth. It, it really is a beautiful picture of the type of God we serve. We serve a humble God who wants to connect with us and to know us. And so throughout this series, the first week we talked about how there was no room for Jesus in the inn. Or, and so Jesus had to be born in, in a barn, in a, in a stable, a very humble beginning that the king of the universe came to serve us. And then last week we talked about Mary and all the unexpected circumstances in her life. Obviously finding out she was pregnant even though she hadn't been with her fiancé. And all the different things that God took her through and Mary's response to all these unexpected circumstances. And so today we're going to turn our attention and view uh, the Christmas story through the eyes of Joseph. Uh, Mary's husband, uh, Jesus' not biological father, but the one who helped to raise Jesus. And and Joseph's role is interesting because I think oftentimes Joseph is called one of the, the forgotten members of the Christmas story because there's not a ton that we know about Joseph. But what we do know is that if you were somebody in his shoes and you were going through the circumstances that he would experience, you would have felt like God literally dropped a bomb into your life. I mean, And his life was completely turned upside down by the circumstances, the unexpected nature of how God played out the Christmas story, that very first Christmas to Joseph. And yet, throughout this story, I think we're going to see Joseph was a man of faith. If you're somebody who's here and you can say, you know, I can relate a little bit to almost feeling like God has dropped a bomb in my life, that, that things seem to be in a, in order and things seem to be going well, and then all of a sudden your world kind of fell apart, well, you can relate to Joseph. And the really cool thing about Joseph is we're going to get to watch this man go through these circumstances that honestly are hard to even imagine, and we're going to see how Joseph was faithful and obedient to God at Every step of the way, no matter how complex and hard the circumstances he found himself in. And so that's actually our big idea today that we're going to talk through together. Our big idea is this that our obedience to God, it cannot be conditional on our circumstances or our understanding. Our obedience to God, if we truly want to follow God in the way that he wants us to, our obedience to him, it cannot be conditional. In other words, we can't say, God, I'll follow you as long as things are going the way that I think that they should. Or, God, I'll follow you as long as I understand the end goal. Our true obedience to God is saying, God, I will trust you no matter what comes into my life. And I think it's a question that that many of us, we probably ask deep in our hearts. I mean, we know what the right Christian answer is. Of course, we should always obey God. But I think a question that many of us ask deep inside is, can I truly obey God? when I don't understand what he's doing? Can I truly obey and follow God when I don't understand his plan at all or I don't like the circumstances that I find myself in? You know, obedience is truly something that we have to continually ask ourselves, are we willing to do no matter what the circumstances are. You know, it's interesting thinking about obedience. I, I'm a parent, and I know some of us in this room are parents. And so especially around Christmas time, um, if you have children, especially younger children, you know that the closer you get to Christmas, like the, the the behavior typically gets a little bit, you know, less obedient because there's so much excitement that we experience as adults. But, you know, put yourself in kids' shoes. And so oftentimes uh, the behavior the closer you get to Christmas becomes a little bit more a er- Erratic, I guess you can say. And I remember uh, my daughter, she's my oldest child, when she was much younger. She had this, this certain behavior that she kept coming back to, that we were trying to get her to listen to us and obey us for. My, my, my daughter, when she was younger and still to this day to some extent, she had a sweet tooth. She loved sugar. In fact, it was, it was always cute. She would always say, I have a sweet tooth. It's this one right here, you know. And she would, she would point to this one particular tooth, like, I can't control it. It's the tooth's fault. And so we we would go to, you know, events or, or Christmas parties or whatever, and, and as we would go to them, if we wouldn't watch her, she would literally just start eating all the candy and the sugar that are there. Maybe some of you can relate to that. And, and the problem became she would eat so much sugar it would literally make her sick, you know, physically sick, because she just could not stop eating it. And so we said anytime we would go to an event or, you know, even church with all of our donuts or those types of things, hey, we, we don't want you to eat everything that you you see we don't want you to eat all the candy you know we want you to obey us you can have two donuts or you can have you know one piece of candy but we need you to listen to us you have to obey And, and I can just picture that conversation in my daughter's head because as a little child you know she had to be thinking why are mom and dad so mean You know, why are mom and dad punishing me so much? Because there's all this goodness out there that I just want to enjoy, and yet they're asking me to obey them, to follow them, to discipline myself to only eat a certain amount. And obviously, we did it because we cared about her, right? Because we didn't want her to be sick, and we didn't want to be up all night with her. But we saw the circumstances and the plan, and so we asked her to obey, but her obedience was something it was hard for her to do because she didn't completely understand the direction that we were going and why we were asking her to obey. And that's how it oftentimes is with us and God, isn't it? You know, God asks us to obey Him even when we don't understand what's going on because He loves us and He cares for us and He has a plan for us. And yet, oftentimes, we're tempted to think that if we don't understand it or we don't like our circumstances, then Maybe we can just do things our own way. As we look at the life of Joseph, we're going to see a man who rejected that temptation to do things his own way, who said yes to God, who was obedient, and God used him in amazing ways this Christmas story. So let's jump in. Matthew chapter 1. We read a little bit of it during worship, but we're going to read and dive into it a little bit more and get into depth, in depth as to what this text actually means. Matthew chapter 1, we'll start in verse 18. It says this. It says, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, and yet he did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. I just want to stop right there for a quick minute and and remind us of what was going on here. Because marriage and engagement looked much different 2,000 years ago than it does to this point. We have to know the circumstances to know the true faith that it took for Joseph to walk through uh, these wild circumstances that God put into his lap. The the reality is falling in love and getting married was very different. In fact, oftentimes you wouldn't fall in love 2,000 years ago before you got married. You got told who you were going to marry. If you remember, and, and, and I hope that we don't go back to these days, although as a parents, sometimes I'm tempted to think that it's a little bit of a better plan. If you would remember, in those days, uh, families would, would get together and their children, they would decide their children would marry. There were essentially arranged marriages. And you know, in a good sense, obviously, hopefully both families are trying to follow the Lord and do what's best for their children. I'm sure it wasn't always that way, but I'm sure there were times where it was as well. And so the families would get together and they'd say, I think our our kids would be a good fit. I think that this makes sense for our family and for your family. There wasn't, you know, online dating. It was really pretty much impossible to to marry or date somebody who lived hundreds or even, maybe even just a few miles away from you. You would essentially marry them. The people that you were in your same hometown that your family knew and so the families would get together and they would agree and as they would agree there would be a contract that was signed there would be money that was exchanged a dowry where the the groom's family would pay the bride's family and once that money was paid and once the contract was signed you were legally married Okay, so the, the marriage was a done deal, but then there was this waiting period, this period of betrothal, the Bible calls it, where you would wait for 9 to 12 months where you were Legally married, but you weren't able to actually consummate the marriage, to come together. And during that time, you're supposed to purify yourself. During that time, you're supposed to, to, to hopefully uh, let that love arouse within your heart. And, and it, was, it was almost like a test to a certain extent, too, to make sure that when this couple came together, they were pure. Obviously, if the woman would become pregnant, then you would know that certainly they weren't following the law, that they hadn't followed the contract, and it was actually... Uh, mandatory, that if somebody would become pregnant, especially by somebody else during that time, that you had to divorce them. So it wasn't like current day engagement where you you make kind of a a pledge to the person, but then you're not actually engaged till the day that you have the ceremony. The ceremony was the final step of the marriage, but it was a legal marriage once the family signed the contract and exchanged the money. Well, during this year-long period of time, it comes out that Mary is pregnant. And obviously, you know, this is something that, that had to be just a, a shock to Joseph, right? You know, like, I, I, the, my parents thought that this woman was the right one for me. I thought that we were going to have this life together. And we don't know a ton about Joseph. But what we do know and what the Bible does tell us about him was that he was a faithful man and that he was a godly man. And so instead of deciding to do what he could have done by the law, which was publicly disgrace her, probably even have her stoned and killed, it says that he's going to divorce her. Because remember, it was a legal marriage at that point. It says that he was going to divorce her quietly. Not drag her name through the mud, not put her in a place where she could potentially even get stoned as the Levitical law required, but he says he's going to divorce her quietly quietly and just kind of be done with it, and move on with his life, and not harm her in any way. Let's jump back in, in verse 20. It says this, but, but after he considered this, Joseph's world gets rocked, but after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. He gave him the name Jesus. You know, I want to look at just three ways that Joseph's life and Joseph's example encourages us to honor God throughout this story. And the first one is this. We honor God when we follow him no matter what. We honor God when we follow him, when we're obedient to him no matter what. You see, to say yes to God, to be obedient to God, to follow God was so extremely hard in this situation I mean, picture even our culture and our world, and some of us have been through this circumstance where, where you know, you experience a pregnancy out of wedlock, and, and there's, that's a hard thing to experience. 2,000 years ago, that was a death sentence again. It was much different than the world that we find ourselves in, and so the shame of going through that experience, I don't think that we can overestimate. I think as we think about that story, and, and, and sadly some of us have been in this situation, to have somebody that you love not be faithful to you. I mean, the heartache that you would have to go through it just would have to be so hard. And yet, Joseph thought that he was in that situation. God reveals a dream to him, but the rest of the world as they're looking at this young couple, you had to imagine what they were saying about them, right? You had to imagine what was being thought about them. Not very kind thoughts in a world that oftentimes loved to condemn, especially women who found themselves in that situation. And Joseph was along for the ride. There was so much shame that they had to experience, and yet he chose to say, yes to God and even embrace God's plan for this story when I guarantee you he did not like it. When I guarantee you he was in a situation where this cannot be your plan, God. This cannot make sense whatsoever. See, I think it's interesting because the angel came to Joseph and the angel said something that I think many of us oftentimes need to hear. And the angel said something that angels oftentimes say to people in the Bible when they come to them. He said these words, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. There had to be so much fear in his heart. Even once he knew that this baby was from God, there had to be so much fear to live out that plan that God was calling him to. And yet the angel said, listen, this is God's plan. You're going to have to walk with us on this journey. You may not like it. You may not understand it, but this is God's plan. So don't be afraid. See, Joseph wasn't royalty. He wasn't a theologian, wasn't a pastor. We're told later in the Bible that he was a, a carpenter. He certainly wasn't perfect, but he was available, and he was obedient to God. He was available, he said yes, and he was obedient to God. When Joseph heard from God, there wasn't any rationalizing, there wasn't any debating, there wasn't any making excuses. It says he woke up the next day, and he said, yes, I'm going to do what you tell me to do. He was obedient. And that is a task that is so extremely hard at times, but is so extremely rewarding as well. And just like Joseph, this average guy, was available and obedient and was used by God. That's what God wants for us. If we want to be used by God, we simply have to be available and obedient, and it will be amazing what God can do in our lives. Now, I, I, I want to answer an objection that maybe some of us had, and I've thought this before too. Have you ever thought, well, okay, that's that's great, but you know, if an angel actually came to me in a dream, then I would say yes to God too, you know? Like, is it a little bit easier for Joseph to say yes to God because he had these extreme circumstances that God revealed himself into. And I think on the one hand, we're like, yeah, that would be kind of nice to have that type of clarity that this is what God is calling you to do, to take this woman and to marry her, even though she's pregnant with a child that is not yours. But here's the interesting thing. that There was a lot of clarity around what the angel said, but at the same time, for those of us who call ourselves followers of Christ, as we open the pages of the Bible, it's God's word spoken to us. There's nothing more clear than what is in the Bible in many different places. Things like love your neighbor as yourself. It doesn't get much more clear than that. And yet are we available and obedient to that? Things like uh, reject sin and turn from your brokenness. It doesn't get much more clear than that. And yet we oftentimes struggle to be available and to be faithful, and obedient in the things that God calls us to do. So just because Joseph had this angel appear to him doesn't mean that it was any easier for him to say yes. He said yes, and each one of us can as well. As we open up the pages of the Bible, that's God's very word spoken to us, and we can say yes to him. You know, I think it's interesting to, to ask this question. Is there anything in our lives that God might be asking us to do but we haven't said yes because we are afraid. Is there anything in our lives, maybe it's somebody that we need to love and share the gospel with, maybe it's something that we need to give up or start saying no to. I don't know what it is for each and every one of us, but is there something in our life that, that we sense God is calling us to be obedient to, but we haven't quite said yes because deep down we're a little bit afraid? And God would say the same thing to us that he said to Joseph. Listen, Don't be afraid. In in the obedient, obedient, loving arms of God, that is the safest place that any of us can be. So saying yes to God, honoring him, following him, that is what God is calling all of us to do, just as Joseph did. The second one is this. The second thing is this, that we honor God when we trust him in all circumstances. We honor God when we trust him in all circumstances. You, You know, Oftentimes we remember the part of the story that we just read about and how this angel came to to joseph and, and how uh, you know Joseph had to say yes to continue to to be with Mary and to uh, wait to consummate their marriage until after the baby was born. But one of the parts that we forget about is even after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, the circumstances of Jesus' birth continued to get more and more uh, uh, bizarre and and unexpected. You know, the the wise men come and they give these gifts to, to Jesus. The shepherds come and they worship Jesus. But do you remember what happens right after the wise men come to Jesus? The wise men are warned in a dream that there's this King Herod who's trying to kill baby Jesus. And so the wise men don't tell King Herod where Jesus is. And actually another dream occurs to Joseph and they have to go on the run as exiles. Open up with me real quick to Matthew chapter 2 verses 13 through 15. It says this, it says, When they had gone, an angel of the Lord, talking about the wise men, when they had gone, When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, said, Get up, he said, and take your child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for this child and kill him. And so he got up and he took the child and his mother during the night, and they left for Egypt where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord said through the prophet, Out of Egypt I will call my son, one of those prophecies of ancient times. You see, not only did Joseph have to go through all of these circumstances that, that seemed just so out there to him, he also, once he has this baby, has to go on the run from Bethlehem to Egypt, about a 175-mile journey by either walking or donkey to a place where he probably didn't know that many people because there was this king that was searching to kill Jesus because he was threatened by this newborn king, baby Jesus. Nothing about the circumstances that Joseph experienced were easy, and yet he honored and trusted God through all of them. And and this tells us something really clearly that I think we all need to learn and be reminded of. Just because God calls us clearly to do something doesn't mean the path will be easy. Just because God asks us to do something doesn't mean that he's going to make it that easy for us to actually follow. And we see Joseph living this out. And, and yet the, the uncommon work of God is often accomplished in the common and even uncomfortable circumstances that God places us in. And so oftentimes we're tempted to feel entitled. I'm following God, so things should should, should go this way, whatever picture we have in our mind. Joseph didn't get that experience. And so I don't think we should feel that entitlement either. You know, God has us in different circumstances for reasons that may may be beyond our understanding. But the real question of obedience is, can we say yes to him no matter where we find ourselves? That's what the world is longing for. That's what the world needs to see. And so we honor God when we trust him no matter where we find ourselves. Third and finally is this, we honor God when we embrace the unknown. We honor God when we embrace the unknown. We talked about this unexpected Christmas story, a virgin with a child, a trip to Bethlehem with no place to stay, being on the run with an infant to Egypt. And Pastor Matt talked about this last week. But for many of us, one of our number one pet peeves in lives, one of the number one things that we cannot stand the most is when we're out of control and we don't know what's coming next. And I can be right there with all of us. That can be an extremely hard thing to deal with. But listen, we honor God when we trust him, even when we don't know where we're going or what's coming next. How many times in your life have you prayed this prayer? God, if you would just make your path clear, then I would follow you. How many times have you prayed something along those lines? God, if you would just show me the way really clearly, then I'll do it. And that's not a bad prayer. Sometimes God may say yes to that. Sometimes God may make that path so clear to you that you just know you need to walk through that Red Sea that's parted. Hey, which direction should we go? Oh, that way. The Red Sea's parted. We should go right through there. Every once in a while, God will do that. He'll make it really clear. But you know what? More often than not, that's not the norm. And that can be really hard for us in a world and a culture that loves control, that loves to be in charge, that loves knowledge, to embrace the unknown. Say, God, I'm going to follow you into the unknown. I'm not going to wait until everything is perfectly crystal clear to say yes to you. I'm going to follow you into the unknown. You know what? That's what faith is really all about. That's what faith is really all about, and we see it in the life of Joseph, and we see it in the lives of so many people in the pages of the Bible. But here's the beauty. Here's the beauty in following God in the unknown. Do you remember what name they, they gave Jesus, what nickname they gave him? In Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him what? Emmanuel. Emmanuel, God with us. God with us. And so when we're walking into the unknown, the one guarantee that we have, the one constant that we have because of Christmas is that God's with us. He's right there beside us saying, you can do this. You can trust me. I'm here with you. I love you. Let's do this together. And we're on a journey with him. And sometimes it's into a place that is unknown. But you know what? We can have confidence and trust and obedience and faith because he's there with us. And that's all we really need. We think we need knowledge. We think we need to know exactly where we're going. But what we really need is to know that God is with us. You see, as we look to the life of, of Jesus, as he would grow up from this young baby, he was constantly finding himself in a place of saying yes to God. Jesus was a perfect picture of somebody who was obedient no matter what the circumstances were, so obedient that he would even go to the cross for you and for me. He lived a perfect life, and yet he was crucified and killed because he said yes to God and his plan. And even in the Garden of Gethsemane, he, he, he was talking with God, and he said, God, if there's any other way, in essence, God, I don't love this plan. If there's any other way, I'd love for it to go down that way, but not my will, but yours be done. And so Jesus is the perfect picture of obedience, no matter what the circumstances. He went to the cross. He's crucified. He was buried, and he rose to new life, giving each one of us the opportunity to say yes to him and experiencing that new life and knowing that he's with us. He came so that we could know he's with us. That's the beauty of the gospel. That's the beauty of the Christmas story, and I hope and I pray that as we go throughout this week, and we reflect on Christmas and all that God's done for us, that we would say yes to him. And our yes wouldn't be conditional on our understanding or on our circumstances, but our yes would be a blank check. Say, God, you can do what you will with me, and I'm going to say yes no matter what. That's our prayer and our hope for our church this Christmas season. I'm going to pray, and we're going to spend some time just worshiping God for who he is and what he's done. God, we thank you for the, the power of the, the cross and the gospel. And Lord, we thank you that you are with us. That we don't have to question that. But we can rest in knowing you. And Lord, we want to know where to go. We want to know how to get there. Lord, we want to have clarity in so many different ways. And sometimes you'll give that to us and sometimes you won't. God, would we be okay with saying yes to you? God, we thank you. For the power of your love, we thank you for your example of obedience and going to the cross. Lord, we praise and honor you. Lord, even now, as we spend time worshiping you, would our hearts and our minds be fixed on you? In your name, we pray. Amen.